It's wonderful to be back again with this great uh, church family, 12th Avenue. It was, it was great to see my cousin Bubba here earlier. Um, he reminded me uh, this morning of a, uh, a saying from the South that came to mind. I hadn't thought about it, but it, it does actually have something to do with what we're talking about today. And uh, got it get in the mode with the southern accent, you know, for this, this quote, but it is, a dog in the hunt, don't scratch for fleas, all right? Think about that for a moment. A dog in the hunt, don't scratch for fleas, all right? Deep, deep thoughts from the south, chew on that, and uh, I'll try to remember, remind me if I don't, because first service I didn't remember, someone had to remind me, try to remember to circle back to that, and, and we'll see, uh, see what this is all about. But it's great to be here. I love the, the priority you give to reaching the nations, the, the, the way you care for those that you send out on mission. And um, yeah, it's, it's really encouraging to me to, to see that. that share a little bit about myself, my family, what God's got me doing so you know where I'm coming from. This is, this is my family. We were doing the flannel thing one day, obviously. Um, my amazing wife to, to my right in this picture, Tanya, has been an incredible partner in the ministry here in the States and around the world for 32 years now. And um, I am a very blessed man. We are blessed with eight children and one daughter-in-law. My son to my left married last year, married uh, a, a lovely young lady from Albania who um, loves the Lord. Her name's Hingrida. It was an arranged marriage, uh, not joking. God was all over it. It was really cool, and they're doing incredible. Can't get into that story, but it's a cool God story. Anyway... Um, and my, my daughter, to your far left, my oldest daughter, Shelby, will be getting married in December of this year to a, a, just a really amazing young man of God. His name is Wang Wei Yang. He grew up in Inner Mongolia province of China. And um, so my daughter-in-law and future son-in-law tell, tell a little bit of our global story. We were blessed to live and work on the Tibetan Plateau in western China for several years, reaching out to an unreached people group there, the Northern Kamba Tibetan people. More recently, we lived and worked in Albania. It's a Balkan country that's a, a majority Muslim country, doing church planning, disciple-making work there. So, um, uh, so we, we have ties there, and our ties are getting deeper <laughs> with, with family now as well. And I, we're just very blessed. You know, last week, Garen shared this verse that I really love from Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. You know, probably if I came up to you in January of this year and told you what was going to be happening this year, you probably wouldn't believe it, right? We're in some kind of incredible times right now. But let me tell you, around the world, what God is doing is utterly amazing. 
there are these incredible disciple-making movements that are happening, and um, it is really, really like the book of Acts. You know, God did not retire after uh, the the book of Acts was finished. He is still on the move, and that's really what I'm about right now. Um, Shortly, it was not long after I spoke here three years ago, that God led us to start this organization, Luminations. And the, the big picture vision of what we're doing is we are gathering stories of disciple-making movements that are happening around the world and developing media-based discipleship training resources that are digital, culturally versatile, and free that can live on the ever-present smartphone that's all over the world now. It's amazing. Even then the jungles of the Congo or out in the middle of the Tibetan plateau. I, I've literally been 100 kilometers from anywhere on the plateau, and I'll see this nomad um, walk, uh, herding her yak, and she'll have a slingshot in one hand because they herd with the slingshot. They don't hit yak with rocks. They actually aim for a, a rock, another rock, and they'll hit, hit that other rock. It'll make a loud pop sound and it'll make the yak go off in the direction they want to. So she's got a slingshot in one hand, she's got a smartphone in the other, and she's surfing the web. And the, it's like, what kind of world are we living? And usually, you know what they're watching? They're watching American urban basketball. They love that stuff. I've seen a basketball go in the middle of nowhere on the Tibetan Plateau. This is a strange world we live in. But we need to take advantage of the access we have in some of these places. That's what we're trying to do. So if you're interested in that, check it out, luminations.org, especially if you have creative pursuits like, you know, media production or graphic design or storytelling or things like that or music. It doesn't have to be creative. I mean, uh, I would love to have a good accountant to partner with me. Um, But uh, it's been a blessing to continue to be uh, at work in the family business, to see my older kids also making strategic plans to go and reach unreached people. My daughter, um, my second daughter, is uh, finishing up her midwife certificate. She has caught 80 babies already. She hasn't dropped one of them. She's planning on going to Central Asia. It's a Muslim country. It's in the news a lot. Not the safest place, but I can tell this is a calling from God on her life. And so the safest place for her to be is where God wants her to be. And that's, that's something that uh, God has really convicted us on, even though it's hard to think about sometimes. But we're, we're safest when we're doing what God wants us to do, where God wants us to be. If you saw the video I made, you you saw that this is nothing new. I was born into a missionary family. That's me, the cute one down at the bottom. I was the the youngest, the spoiled one. But um, so I grew up knowing that, you know, missions is important. And I, I grew up, you know, in churches that had flags like this, and I always knew missions is an important part of the church. I think we'd all agree to that, right? We wouldn't be doing this today if that weren't the case. 
Missions is an important part of the church. But let me tell you, about 20 years ago, I was pastoring a church plant in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and God was just pouring his blessings over us. And um, we, were, we would say we were doing ministry by the seat of God's pants. We were just hanging on for the ride. And we were blessed to grow in lots of different ways, but you know, we went from a, about five families to over 1,000 in just a few years. And it was wild. It was like a ministry dream come true for me. We loved it. But one of the ways God was blessing us was he was taking this idea, because I was like, yeah, mission's an important part of the church. But he was taking it, and he was ripping it to shreds and turning it upside down. And I, and I came to realize that I was wrong. Missions is not an important part of the church. Actually, God's mission is the reason for the church's very existence. Missions is not a function of the church. Missions is the purpose of the church. And that changes everything. And you know what's amazing about this? What's amazing about God's mission is that he wants us to join him in this mission. Garen has been talking about these threads going through the Bible and, and following this idea of missions in the nations. And God has, is weaving together this incredible story of his eternal global purposes, and he wants to weave us into this story. He wants to weave you into this great story. This video uh, I took when, I was, um, when we were working in, on the Tibetan Plateau, the way we were allowed to be there is we had a Tibetan rug company. And Tibetan rugs have always been a part of their culture, and they definitely needed the jobs, over 50% unemployment in some of those areas. And so um, we were blessed to, to go and, and have this opportunity. One of the things you learn when you're in this business and you watch them spinning the, the wool, this was hand-spun, hand-woven Tibetan rugs, that every thread is personally touched by the weaver multiple times before that final tapestry and design is finished. It's a personal thing. And that's the way it is with us and God. This is about relationship with our Creator. And it's about doing what we were created to do and getting woven in to this amazing story that he has for us. And sometimes when you look at God's word and all these different stories, all these different things happening, it may, it may seem a little disjointed, but when you start following the threads, you realize that it's showing one coherent story of God's global purposes especially if you follow these three main threads of God's glory, the blessing that God is for us, and Jesus' favorite subject, the kingdom, which kind of point in three different directions. One is up to God for his glory. We were created to be worshipers. One of my favorite missions quotes is by John Piper. It says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. There are places around the world where people do not know their creator. 
and do not know what they were created to do and to be. That's why we have missions. When Christ comes again, we won't have missions, but we will have worship. Giving God the glory he is due. And that purpose has been for the whole world to be filled with worshipers. You heard the passage the past couple of weeks, Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that's been the purposes from the beginning. And then also, there's a direction out to the nations. The blessings we get from God aren't for us just to hold tight and say, oh, we're so special. No, they have a purpose. We're blessed to be a blessing to the nations. And then also, it goes against evil. That the rule and reign of God will come here on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of light, overcoming the kingdom of darkness, And as you heard Garen last week say, the gates of hell will not stand against it. These are victorious purposes. And so as you go through God's word, you see these purposes coming into fulfillment. From the very beginning with Adam, right? You remember hearing? He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? With people in relationship with their creator, with worshipers. But then you have the fall, and the fall was a hard fall. So you have Noah doing the reset, and he tells Noah the same thing. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But the people rebelled again. They started thinking of themselves, making a name for themselves. Let's build a monument so to show how great we are. And so you have Babel, and, and God tears down their pride by doing what? Confusing their languages. Hmm, that's interesting. If you ever want to work on your pride, I have, I have the perfect thing for you to do. If you're struggling with pride, learn a new language. You cannot be prideful and learn a new language. It doesn't work. It's one of the most humbling exercises. And, and so God's always working on my pride. I think I struggle with pride. That's why he keeps sending me to new countries with new languages because it just tears my pride down. I realize, man, I, I need you, God, because Chinese is hard. <laughs> and, um, you know, so he dealt with pride and made all these nations. And, and, and uh, so the nations are scattered. And so now what does God do? Well, he finds this faithful man named Abram. And he tells him something there in Genesis 12. He starts off, he says, go. God likes this word, this idea of going. He likes to have his people on the move and part of a movement. If you ever want to learn how to be totally dependent on God, then leave your comfortable surroundings and put yourself in a position where God's provision is a daily necessity. This this has happened to us a lot. Now, we all intellectually know that we are totally dependent on God, but when you're in your home culture around your family and friends and the things you're comfortable with, sometimes it's easy to forget. But when you go, you can't forget this. What does he tell Abram? Go from your country... Your people, 
your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and, will, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The blessings God promises, they come with a divine purpose behind it, that all peoples on the earth will be blessed. And this was the family business. This was, he commissioned the first missionary family. I'm going to bless you. God loves to bless us. But it comes with a purpose. And he repeated it to Isaac, the same covenant with the same purpose. You're going to bless the nations. And to Jacob, the same covenant with the same purposes. And it goes on to the Israelites so that they would know the family business. But guess what? They forgot. They, they forgot that they were to be a blessing to the nations. And so you go 100 years, there were still some faithful men along the way who did not forget, including this king, a man after God's own heart. If we look in Psalm 97, he says, May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. Wait a second, that seems a little inward focused, David. Well, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to want the blessings of God. You cannot get closer to God without being more blessed. It doesn't happen. God loves to bless his children. Just like those of you with children, you love to bless your children. And you want them to be blessed. Well, God loves that even more. And so that's okay. But we have to remember there's a purpose for that. David remembered. He said, may your ways be known throughout the earth. Your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. So you have another interlude. What does he do after that? Does he go back to the blessing for himself? No, he continues. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest. The harvest is the blessing. What is the harvest? Well, Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He looks out. And he says, man, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What is the harvest? People seeking and searching God. They're out there. It's plentiful. That's not where the bottleneck is. The bottleneck is the workers. They're few. And he asks us to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. My, my phone gives me a buzz every single day at 10.02 to remind me of Luke 10.2. And when I look at my phone, it'll say, pray for workers for the harvest. And you know what happens when you pray for workers for the harvest? God answers that prayer. And one of the workers he answers it with is you. Because you can't pray for workers of the harvest and not be a worker for the harvest. And so David, you can tell, he understands the family business. 
and it passes on. You remember one of the, the dreams of David was to build a temple, to honor God and build this great temple. Well, he, he was not able to accomplish that, but his son was. And when you think about the temple, you think, oh, that's kind of more of Israel-focused thing, right? But look at what his son focuses in on when he dedicates the temple. This is what he says in 1 Kings 8. In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people, Israel, will hear of you. They will come from distant lands because of your name. For they'll hear of your great name, your strong hand, and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you. In this way, all peoples of the earth will come to know and fear you just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. And so Solomon remembered the family business. Many of the prophets did as well. But the children of Israel forgot. And they started focusing in on themselves. They became prideful. They looked down on others, even to the point of despising them. I'm sure that never happens today, right, with Christians. I'm sure there's never Christians who look down on non-Christians with disgust. But the Israelites had forgotten what they were to be about and what God's mission is all about. So you fast forward from this temple, the same site, the same temple mount, but a different temple this time. This time it's Herod's temple. You have this amazing passage um, that is told in several of the Gospels, and you have Jesus the Son of Man and the Son of God is there. And we know that when you see Jesus, you see the Father, right? And so you have this incredible um, experience with Jesus in the temple where he takes his heart out and puts it on his sleeve for all to see. You see this passion rise up in Jesus like nowhere else in the gospel. What was it that happened that caused such passion to rise? Well, he's looking out over the temple court, and it's chaos. It's a bazaar. It's a marketplace. It's a tourist trap. And people are buying and selling, making deals, ripping, ripping people off. And it's chaotic. And this passion rises up in Jesus that seems almost out of character, but it's not. In John, you see him off in the corner and he's making something. And I like to picture, you know, the disciples, hey, what's Jesus doing? He's, he doesn't look happy right now. He, I don't know. He, he's making something. What, what is he making? Well, he's, he's making a whip. Can you picture that? Jesus is making a whip. And he comes out like Indiana Jones, man. He's like, Psh! and he's turning over tables and it's crazy. I mean, sheep are scattering. Birds are flying out of their cages. Coins are going all over the place. People are yelling, what are you doing? And above it all, Jesus yells out, do you not remember? Do you not remember that my house will be a house of prayer for all nations? 
What was it that caused such passion to come out of Jesus? Where was this happening? Well, it wasn't in the court of women where the Jewish women could go. It wasn't in the court of Israel where the Jewish men could go. It definitely wasn't in the court of priests. Where was this happening? The Gentiles' court. The one place that the nations could come at that period of time and worship the one true God and and be near his presence. And they had turned it into a den of thieves. And you see throughout Christ's life, his heart is close to God's heart, and that's a heart for the nations. Garen walked you through a lot of those experiences that were extremely, that, where Jesus is extremely countercultural. Counter to what culture? Well, the spiritually ethnocentric culture of the Jews. And so there's all these different times where he makes it a point <laughs> to to almost shock the Jews by his heart for the nations. Like what he said about the Roman centurion you heard last week or the week before. Amazed at this man's faith. Or even like the Samaritan woman, letting her go off and share and being so clear with her that, yes, in fact, he is the Messiah. Many others, the Canaanite woman who begged at at his feet, and he goes, I can't take... I can't take uh, food meant for the children and give it to the dogs. And we think, whoa, why would you say something like that, Jesus? He would say something like that because he knew exactly what these Jews around him were thinking. And they were like, ah, Jesus, he, he's one of us. He just called that Gentile a dog. And no, he knew her heart. And she very humbly said, but even the dogs can get a crumb. She was desperate for healing for her daughter. Even the dogs can get a crumb that falls from the table. And that's all I need from you, Jesus, is a crumb. And, she, and he makes it a point to tell these, other, these Jews, self-righteous Jews around the table, this is what faith looks like. Your daughter is healed. Or the demoniac, the Gadarene demoniac. Remember he was healed of legion of demons. It gets sent into the pigs, go hogs. Sorry, I had to say that, you know, from Arkansas. And what does he do? This guy's just been delivered. He wants to follow Jesus, and Jesus says no. And he commissions the first missionary. Now, usually he tells people, don't tell anybody about what just happened. But this guy, he goes, no, go and tell all of your people what just happened. And what's interesting, later in the Gospels, when they return to the area of the Gerasenes, there's crowds waiting for him. I wonder why. And so throughout, he shows his heart for the nations. And then you know the story. His people reject him. They kill him. They put him on a cross. But death can't contain him. He overcomes death. He's resurrected. He stays with his people for a time. Goes through the Old Testament and the prophets. Explaining to them. They finally have open hearts. Okay, (laughs) I'm ready. And then right before he ascends, he goes, oh, oh, sorry, I almost forgot. No, 
he didn't almost forget. He says something that is not an afterthought. It is, in fact, the culmination of God's purposes over the centuries and what sets up his purposes going forward. And he starts by saying, go. Go and make disciples, not converts. You can make a convert without relationship. They can show up at evangelistic meeting. Disciples is a relationship thing. You can't make disciples without relationship. Make disciples of all nations, pantata ethne, every ethnic group. Inviting them into this family through baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. It's a relationship. And teaching them. But we don't just teach. This isn't just the transfer of knowledge. There's a purpose to our teaching. And that is to put it into practice with obedience. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what is amazing is... And this is why I like to call it a co-mission. We don't do this alone. He's promised to be with us every step of the way. And he's with us in an incredibly intimate way. You know what? He told his disciples, it's better for you that I go. And I think, what could be better than having Jesus right here? You know, you're going to share the good news and someone asks you a hard question. You could always just say, I don't know, Jesus? Can you answer him, please? What could be better than Jesus being right here with you? As he said in John, it's better for you that I go. And then he starts talking about how he's going to send his spirit to us. What's better than having him right here with us? Having him right here in us. We have Jesus living inside. We get to be Jesus for the world. What an amazing gift. And you know, this is a commission that will be completed. He didn't tell us to do something that we can't do with his spirit. You heard last week, Matthew 24. He's talking about the end times. We don't know when the end's coming, but we know something's going to happen before the end comes. Everyone, every ethnic group is going to get a chance to hear the good news. And not just hear it, we know that some are going to receive it and are going to follow and become a disciple of Jesus from every tribe, tongue, and nation. They're going to be around the throne. They're going to be singing about the salvation that has come to them. They're going to be wearing white robes, washed in the blood. What an incredible picture we have there in Revelation 7. And we don't do it in our own strength. Jesus told his disciples, you will receive power. And this power will allow you, and I mean you, not some paid religious professional, not some super Christian that's a missionary in the tapeworm infested jungles of Borneo. There are no super Christians. We're all super Christians if we are walking out our mission, by the way. 
I mean you will receive power. Why do I know that? Because he says, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now the 140 some odd people he was talking to right then in Acts, none of them made it to Emporia, Kansas. Pretty sure about that. So that means he's speaking to all of us because it's all of us who are going to take it to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses in Emporia, that's your Jerusalem. In Judea, that's, I mean in Kansas, that's your Judea. Where's your Samaria? Well, that's the proverbial other side of the tracks. Whatever people group around you that you're uncomfortable being around, that maybe you try to avoid, or you struggle to maybe look down on, or maybe look up to too much and get intimidated by, I don't know. Those are the Samaritans in your life. You know who they are. And to the ends of the earth. That's these places. And so many more. We all get to be a part of the family business. And it's incredible. It's an incredible story that God's weaving us into. I feel so sorry for people who think that, that being a part of this family just means showing up at a building on Sunday. Because it's so much more than that. You remember the children's thing we used to do? This is a church. This is a steeple. And then what? Open the doors and here's all the people. I really hate that thing. I hate it so much that my kids and I, we decided to make a new one. The reason I don't like it is it's not true. This is not a church. <laughs> it's great to have such a nice building to gather in, but it's not the church. And so here it is. You ready? This is a church. I mean, this is a building. It may have a steeple, but it's not the church. The church is God's people. A people redeemed who take up their cross, who follow their Savior no matter the cost. They gather in huts or under some trees or underground caves down on bended knee. They gather in homes where families enter or out on the streets or big shopping centers or conference rooms, coffee bars, even cathedrals and sometimes even in buildings with steeples. The church is certainly not what you meet in, but a family who Jesus set free from their sin. Isn't that better? That's a better one, right? We are a gathering of the called out. And the fact that we're called out doesn't diminish our gathering. In fact, when we plug into God's global purposes, it actually brings life and energy, a fresh wind and fresh fire, fire to our gatherings because our gatherings become celebrations of what God is doing in his church the rest of the week. I just want to close with this last picture. When I was in Mongolia doing some discipleship training, I was blessed to get up close and personal with this beautiful, majestic creature, a golden eagle. And I'm trying to smile in this picture but I'm actually gritting my teeth because this bird is heavy. And I'm trying to lift, lift it up. And it was hard. Like, 
I know I look like this incredible specimen of a man, right? But I'm not that strong. I was lifting it up, right? And, but that moment when the picture was taken and the, this eagle spread its wings and did what it was created to do, suddenly there was no burden. In fact, I was wondering if I was about to get taken off for a ride. It was amazing that something so heavy could just, the burden was gone. And I think about this picture a lot when I think about the church. Because when we have wrong ideas of what the church is about, it can feel like a heavy burden. But brothers and sisters, the church was made to fly. It was made to be a movement. And when we come to understand that, that burden is lifted and it becomes this beautiful, majestic adventure. Is it easy? No. It's hard. It's gut-wrenchingly hard at times. Do we have to take up our cross? Yes. Is there suffering? Yes. Do we have to count the cost? Yes. But it's always worth it. It's always worth it. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you have chosen to uh, invite us into your mission. And what a great mission it is. How beautiful it is to share the good news, to share hope, to share life and light. Lord, help us all to really plug into what you are doing right here in Emporia, throughout Kansas, throughout our nation, throughout the world. Lord, let our heart beat in rhythm with your heart for the nations. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A dog in the hunt don't scratch for fleas. I remembered this time. What on earth do I mean by that? Well, I'm not a hunter, but I've seen where the red fern grows, so I know that's true. That when, the, when those dogs are chasing that coon, they don't stop. And, and that's what it's like for us when we're plugged into mission, when we understand what our mission is. We don't sit around the church barnyard going, oh, I don't know if I like what that preacher said this past Sunday. All the little things that trouble churches fall by the wayside when God's church connects with God's mission. Because that's the reason it's there. Thanks and God bless. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. For sure. Great job. All right, just to wrap up, let you guys head home. Don't forget, we'd like every family, every individual to take one of these. I know, I think we've got some on the way out. Um, got the prayer book for the missionaries, the, the missionary book that I, again, I really challenge you. Read it to your children, read it to your grandchildren. If you don't have children or grandchildren, read it to yourself um, because just the challenge of hearing about people living sacrificial on mission with God will empower, impassion your heart for God's mission of the nations. And then don't forget the response. Um, the missions committee would really like that in two weeks that 
that we've turned these in, they would like you to be in prayer about what is a next step for you, what's a way that you need to be aligning your life with God's mission. Last week I talked about, am, am I aligned, is my life aligned with God's mission? Not just aligned, but am I being obedient to the mission that God has called us to? And there's a lot of ways that we can do it. One of them is through our faith promise giving, and so we ask that that's something else you be in prayer about, is how much is God asking you this year to give by faith to help support the missionaries we've been hearing from the last few weeks. If you've already done this on the way out, there's a basket back by Melissa that you can put this in. Melissa, if you could even scoot that out a little bit so people can go on both sides. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you've already filled out these cards, you can drop those on the way back. But we would like those um, in the next two weeks, and so we'll be reminding you of that. So would you stand with me? And we want to close in prayer. Father, thank you for these three weeks that we have been able to focus on this thread of the nations that runs from Genesis all the way to Revelation and to get a picture of your heart and to have our hearts kind of recaptured if, if we'd lost some of that passion, to have that, that renewal of, of seeing what you're all about, um, the reality that it isn't that uh, the church has a mission, but that your mission has a church. And so thank you for reawakening us for these three weeks. Thanks for Ken. Thanks for all that have shared. Help us to be obedient to being on this co-mission with you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we remind you every week, 12, the mission field is out those doors. So you are sent. So go.